welcome to our next podcast on the end times. This podcast is titled Signs of the End of the Age and the Tipple. And I'm going to read Matthew 24 and verses 1 to 8. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, and see that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. So the title once again of this podcast is Signs of the End of the Age and the Temple. So let me go over that golden rule of Bible prophecy again. When the plain sense of Scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense, but take every word at its primary literal meaning, unless the facts of the immediate context clearly indicate otherwise. Now again, our plan on how we are proceeding through our study of the end times is as follows. We had our introductory material, and then we moved on to the plot line of Bible prophecy that was an overview and map of the big picture of our study of the end times. And then we moved on to section three, which is the setting. That's where we're at right now. That's a study of the settings and the signs of the end times. That's a study of uh, the book of Zephaniah in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. And then from this, when we conclude this section of our study of the end times, we're moving on to the cast of characters. We're going to get to know the main individual actors of the end times. Then after that, we're going to move on to what what I've titled the scaffolding and the structure. That's mainly the timeline and nation actors of the end times, mainly a study of the book of Daniel, though not all the book of Daniel. Then after that, we're going to move on to the main narrative. That's the final section in our study of the end times. And that will be mainly a study in the book of Revelation. Also Matthew chapter 13 and, and a few other places. But that will be mainly just a study in the book of Revelation with some cross-referencing back to the Old Testament as we go. So, questions and more questions. Matthew 24 and verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives... The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? Now by putting the questions in order, in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, you have five questions in total, with a sub-question added to question number one. Now those questions again are bonus question A. What are not the signs of Jesus' coming? That's answered in Matthew 24, 5 to 6. Question number one. When will the temple destruction happen? That is answered in Luke 21, 20 to 24. Question 1a. What are the signs of the temple's coming destruction? That's answered in Luke 21, 12 to 19. Uh, question two. What will be the sign of your coming? That is answered in Matthew 24, 9 to 44. Question number three. 
What will be the signs of the end of the age? That's answered in Matthew 24, 7 to 8. And then bonus question B, what are the duties of a faithful servant as he anticipates Jesus' return? And that is answered in Matthew 24, 45 to 51. Now, virtually everything Jesus says from this point forward in, in Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 will be in response to these questions. We will spend several weeks studying this discourse in Matthew 24 and 25, and these questions will serve as our outline for that study. But we need to understand that quirk of the Olivet Discourse that we've mentioned before. Jesus does not answer these questions in the same order they are asked. Instead, Jesus gives his answers in an order which better suited his purpose in revealing these things to his disciples and to us. Now, the order Jesus answers these questions will be, bonus question A, what are not the signs of Jesus' coming? Question number three, what will be the signs of the end of the age? Question number one, when will the temple destruction happen? Question 1A, what are the signs of the temple's coming destruction? And question number two, what will be the sign of your coming? And the final question that he answers is bonus question answer B. What are the duties of a faithful servant as he anticipates Jesus' return? Now, the answer is his first bonus question first, followed by question 3, 1, 1A, 2, and then his second bonus question is answered last. So before we jump in, I just want to take a brief moment and talk about our church this past weekend. We had a great weekend at our church. We had visitation scheduled for Saturday and then Sunday morning. We had a great service. The Lord gave us a great message, a great spirit in the service. We had a fantastic, uh, fantastic special right before the message. I really enjoyed the song that was sung. And then after that, we had what we called our turnaround on one Sunday every month, usually the third Sunday of each month. Our church has what we call a turnaround service, and we just have our morning service like normal. And then we will meet at someone else's house or at a restaurant, or sometimes we have them at the church, and we have a meal, we have some fellowship time, then we have a shorter message after that, and we just have, it's called a turnaround. You have your morning service, you have a meal, and we have the afternoon service all together without the, without that break except for the meal and the fellowship. And we really enjoy our turnarounds. It's a great time for us to, to get to know each other better, spend some time uh, together outside of just a church service. We just get to fellowship and and break bread together. We really enjoy our turnaround services. All right, so back to our study. Bonus question answer A. What are not the signs of Jesus coming? Now, in our last podcast, we looked at the destruction of the temple, and we touched on bonus question A. In this message, we will be trying to cover a lot of ground and examining questions 3, questions 1, question 1A, And then next week, we'll continue our study in Matthew 24 and start to answer question number two. Uh, Question number two can be divided into three sections. One, the tribulation in verses 9 to 31, uh, the the time period that occurs between the rapture and the physical return of Jesus to the earth. Second section, we titled the parable of the fig tree. That's found in verses 10 to 35. That's the sign of his impending second coming. And then question number three, or section number three, excuse me, as the days of Noah were, and that's found in verses 36 to 44. 
and that section discusses the circumstances of the earth at his second coming, along with a warning to be ready for his return. Now, section 1, verses 9 to 31, that is also divided into three divisions. A, the midpoint of the tribulation, that's verses 9 to 20. We know this by the reference to the abomination of desolation. And then B, that's the next section, that's the last three and a half years of the tribulation. That's found in verses 21 to 26. We know this, for Jesus tells us by the use of the phrase, For then shall be great tribulation. And then the final section that section 1 is subdivided in, uh, that is the ending of the tribulation and immediately after the tribulation. That's verses 27 to 31. We know this, for Jesus' physical second coming is referenced in verse 27. And verse 29 says, immediately after the tribulation. And verse 31 talks of the gathering to Israel of God's chosen people that takes place at the end of the tribulation. And like we mentioned last in our last podcast, Jesus walks us through uh, the Olivet Discourse. He gives us those transition phrases. He places us in a certain time, a certain place, all throughout the Olivet Discourse. We just have to be on the lookout for those words, those transition words. We have to recognize that he's placing us in a certain time. He's placing us in a certain place as he's given this Olivet Discourse. It does not happen all in order, but he walks us through it. We just have to pay attention. We have to notice that that he is walking us through it. We have to notice those transition phrases he gives us. We have to pay attention to the time and place he's, he's setting what he's saying in. An example, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation, and that phrase where he says, for then shall be great tribulation, his reference to the abomination of desolation. I mean, he gives us these words and these phrases, and and all these are the beginning of sorrows, and then another phrase, and the end is not yet. He gives us all these phrases. He lets us know what's going on. We just have to kind of put it together. We have to put a little bit of work in, but it's there. It's not that hidden. We just have to put it together and put some work in, and, and we can understand it. All right, so for this podcast, uh, let's look at question number three. What will be the signs of the end of the age? What will be the signs of the end of the age? Matthew 24, 7 to 8. For a nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. One of those phrases to let us know what's going on, what question he's answering, where we're at as far as time. Now Jesus is saying when these things start to happen, Pay attention, for these things are the beginning of sorrows. The Greek word for sorrows is actually travail or labor pains or or birth pains. In these verses, we can see which question he's answering, for he tells us, this is the beginning. These are the signs, in other words, of the end of the world or the end of the current world age we are living in. When you see these signs, you know these are the beginning of sorrows or the beginning of those birth pains or the beginning of travail. Now, to back up a bit, the disciples had a basic understanding of prophecy. This can be seen in the questions they asked in in Matthew 24 and verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? We need to follow their example. We, too, need to have at least a basic understanding of Bible prophecy in order to more clearly understand the rest of the Bible. 
What was the first question they asked? When shall these things be? What was their second question? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age, or the end of the world, excuse me? So what will be the signs of the end of the world or the end of this current age in human history? Well, there are four definite signs for this for us to watch out for. Matthew 24, 7. For a nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. So the first sign. Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Now the second sign. There shall be famines. There have been 37 major famines since World War II. The third sign. There shall be pestilences. There have been 335 new infectious diseases identified since 1940. Some of these major diseases like the AIDS virus and more recently COVID. And then the fourth sign and earthquakes in diverse places. The average number of quakes per year prior to 1940 was 16,000. The average number of quakes per year now is over 20,000. And we just heard of the two original massive quakes in Turkey in the Syria area. We heard another quake over this weekend in Turkey. So we have those quakes, those earthquakes in diverse places happening. Uh, we can see the, the pestilences. Uh, we can see the, the famines. And Jesus says these are the beginning of sorrows. Apparently these would be no ordinary wars Jesus was referring to. These wars described as nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Many believe this passage is referring to a war or wars that involved many nations simultaneously fighting against each other. This belief is also supported by the way Jesus stated this, and we'll get into that phrasing in just a moment. Now, these wars uh, he's referring to, nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. These wars involving many nations would then be accompanied by the other three signs in verse 7. And can you think of such wars that have involved many nations that have occurred? Well, we have World War I and World War II that come to mind. Now, verse 8 in Matthew 24 says, All these are the beginning of sorrows. This means the beginning of travail or the beginning of birth pains. This is referring to the four signs in verse 7. Once you see them start to occur, just like birth pains, they will continue to be seen and happen, but with more frequency and more intensity. Now, signs of the current age will come to an end. Matthew 24, 7 to 8 again. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, the signs will be like birth pains. The signs of the end of the age will act like birth pains. Jesus says, so we should understand a little of how birth pains work if we are to appreciate what Jesus says here. First, I've been told that birth pains are painful. Now, of course, I have no firsthand knowledge of that, but I've been told, and it's on good authority, that, that birth pains are painful. 
And when they come, they come with more frequency and more intensity as you go through that process. The birth pains are are intensely painful contractions that interrupt normal life for the woman and announce something new is about to arrive. So are the signs of the end of the age. They will be painful experiences for the world. They will interrupt normal life in every way imaginable. But they will also be announcing something new and better will be arriving. You see how that warning that Jesus gives us fits very well. Uh, these are the beginning of sorrows, or the beginning of travail, the beginning of birth pains. It's announcing something new is getting close. At first, we know that birth pains can start very mildly, even imperceptibly, perhaps. Some ladies may think their birth pains were not real birth pains at first. They can start mildly, and many will not notice or recognize the significance of them at first. Not until some time has passed, and perhaps with the coming of more severe birth pains, will the woman then realize the earlier pains were also birth pains. Thirdly, we all know that birth pains increase in severity as time progresses. The contractions get stronger and stronger. Then you may have a lull or a stoppage altogether for a period of time. The woman may rush to the hospital, then the contractions stop, and so she is sent home until they start again. So it will be with the signs of the end of the age as the signs repeat themselves over and over. They may also seem to appear to stop for a while, but as they repeat, they will get stronger and more severe. The damage will come stronger and more severe. Finally, they ultimately lead to the birth of a new life. And that's where we are headed to in these signs of the end of the age, this beginning of sorrow, these these birth pains, these travail pains. That's where we're leading. It will ultimately lead to a birth of a new life, something new. As the pains on the earth increase and the end approaches, so does Christ return in the start of the kingdom. At that point, a new world and a new life for Israel and all believers will begin. So that is the comparison Jesus offers for the signs of the end of the age. So now we are going to look at some specifics about those signs. First, nation will rise against nation. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, verse 7. In this verse, Jesus says that nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. This term sounds a lot like war, but a moment earlier Jesus told us not to view ordinary war. So again, we have to pay attention to what Jesus says and what he says. That he just said, do not consider ordinary wars as a sign. And then we have what's the, the beginning of sorrows? For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. So this can't be ordinary wars. That sounds a lot like war, but Jesus just said ordinary war is not a sign. He told us there will be war and rumors of wars, and these are not signs of the end of the age. He told us that in verse 6. So this has to be something different. Now we see why Jesus made that distinction. Because there will be a certain type of war that does announce the end. That does help us to know we are in the beginning of sorrows. And so we need to understand how to distinguish this special war from the ordinary kind of war that Jesus said was not a sign of the end of the age. 
So to do that, we need to get some historical context on this phrase. Nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And we'll see a difference, and that difference is found by understanding the phrase, nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. We'll see the difference between wars and rumors of wars, and nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. We have to understand that phrase in its historical context. In Jesus' day, rabbis used this specific terminology to describe a certain type of war never before experienced on earth. The term meant a war involving all or almost all nations and kingdoms on earth in a common conflict. The term meant a global war or a world war. So the understanding in Jesus' day was that world wars would be a sign of the end of the age. This type of war was unprecedented in all of human history until the 20th century when world wars first began to happen. In 1914, Europe engaged in a war that eventually dragged most of the earth into the fight. Altogether, 88% of the world's nations participated in World War I at some level. This was the first time a worldwide conflict had been waged. In fact, this war was so unique that it was initially called the War to End All Wars. No one had seen such a thing before, nor imagined it could ever happen again. But they were wrong, of course, because not long after World War I came along, World War II came along. That war was larger and worse than the earlier war, involving 95% of the world's nations. Like the analogy of birth pains would predict, If it fits the pattern of birth pains increasing in severity. Now we know why Jesus specifically ruled out wars in his earlier answer. He did not want us mistaking ordinary war for the unique world wars that would mark the end of the age. So he used that phrase that the rabbis used at that time. Explain something that they never thought could happen. A a, a worldwide war. Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, meaning an unprecedented, never-before-seen conflict that involved a global warfare, all, mostly all nations against all nations. That distinguishes it from wars and rumors of wars. We're always going to have wars and rumors of wars, and Jesus says the end is not yet. But now these are the signs, of uh, these are the beginning of sorrows. These are what you need to pay attention to. When you see these happen, then you know the end is drawing near. And he says, nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom or global warfare will be a sign that the beginning of sorrows is upon you. The end is near. The beginning of birth pains is happening. Now next, famine in various places. And there shall be famines in diverse places, verse 7. Now famine is also common on the earth. So to understand this sign, we must consider it in light of the birth pain comparison. When the end of the age approaches, famines will not just happen once in a while, they will become common. And they will not just impact distant people, but they will impact us too. This is what Jesus means by diverse places. He means in places everywhere. Places where you did not think it could happen. And they will be more severe and painful than anything we have ever seen before. So it will be by the increasing severity and frequency that people can see famines as a sign of the end of the age. But remember, in the beginning of the birth pains, they can be so mild that it's hard to notice. And so it will be with famine. The initial stages of this sign may be subtle and overlooked, 
at least at first. Today, there are indications that famine is growing in severity and frequency and impacting more people than ever before. Even some industrialized nations have begun to experience food shortages for various reasons, including, among other reasons, the the COVID pandemic. Food prices are steadily increasing, and supplies are running short. Inventories in grocery stores are, are limited and dependent on regular resupply. Empty shelves are becoming the norm, even in America. As we move further toward the end, this sign will only increase. Now, the following quote is from an NPR broadcast from July 7th of this, of this past year. On July 7th, 2022, this is from that NPR broadcast on July 7th of 2022. Uh, starting the quote, The spike in food, fuel, and fertilizer prices sparked by the war in Ukraine is threatening to push countries around the world into famine bringing global destabilization, starvation, and mass migration on an unprecedented scale, a top U.N. official warned. David Beasley, head of the U.N. World Food Program, said its latest analysis shows that a record 345 million acutely hungry people are marching to the brink of starvation, a 25% increase from 276 million at the start of 2022, before Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th. The number stood at 135 million before the COVID-19 pandemic in early 2020. There is a real danger it will climb even higher in the months ahead, he said. Even more worrying is that when this group is broken down, a staggering 50 million people in 45 countries are just one step away from famine. The amount, and that's the end of the quote, the amount of people facing starvation in the world has more than doubled in the last two years. The world has never seen starvation numbers like this in its entire history. The birth pains prophetic analogy given to us by Christ sadly fits these facts. Now let's look at some facts about some historical famines. The Chinese famine of 1907 claimed up to 25 million lives. And in the Russian famine of 1921, some 5 million lives were lost. The Soviet famine of 1932 to 1933, we'll look at that. In 1932, the Soviet Union, then ruled by Joseph Stalin, saw a man-made famine that killed millions in Ukraine, Kazakhstan, the Northern Caucasus, and the Volga regions. All under Soviet rule at the time, These regions saw drastic declines in their populations between 1932 and 1933. Then there is the Bengal Famine of 1943. The Second World War hit Bengal hard, with a number of increasingly devastating factors leading to a widespread famine. The Bengal province was then under British rule, and it's estimated that 2 to 3 million lives were lost during this famine in 1943. Then you have the Great Chinese Famine that occurred between 1959 and 1961, and estimated between 20 to 50 million deaths occurred during this famine. Then you have the North Korean Famine that occurred between 1994 and 1998. This is one of the most devastating famines of modern times. The North Korean Famine, or March of Suffering, as it has been called, lasted between 1994 
in 1998. This famine occurred due to a combination of natural causes and dictatorship rule. 1995 saw large flooding destroying over a million tons of grain. In this famine, some 3 million lives were reported to be lost. Now let's look at pestilences in various places. Pestilences in diverse places, verse 7. Jesus also mentioned plagues in various places. A plague is the spread of disease over a wide area, otherwise known as an epidemic or a pandemic. Jesus said these would begin to happen in various places, meaning around the world. A worldwide spread of disease by itself was not necessarily very meaningful, but in combination with the other signs, it is very meaningful. Uh, We have the Russian flu of 1889. This actually occurred between 1889 and 1890. Called the first ever modern flu pandemic, the Russian flu, which started in St. Petersburg, spread through Europe, infecting even prominent world leaders. After a few months, it reached virtually every part of the planet in just a few short months. An estimated one million people died of the Russian flu. Then you move on to what we've heard a lot of recently, and that is the Spanish flu a pandemic or epidemic, which occurred between 1918 and 1919. The Spanish flu of 1918 is considered the deadliest in history, infecting one-third of the world's population and killing between 20 to 50 million people worldwide. It came in three waves. The first wave was almost like the common flu and hit in the spring of 1918. The second wave that appeared in the fall of the same year was deadlier, killed people within hours or a few days after the onset of symptoms. And the third wave that came the following year was just as deadly and added more to the death toll. Then we're moving on to 1968 and the H3N2 pandemic, also known as the Hong Kong flu. The 1968 flu pandemic, although relatively not as deadly, the virus was highly contagious and it spread throughout Southeast Asia within two weeks after it first emerged in Hong Kong in July of 1968. By December, the virus had reached the United States, United Kingdom, and other countries in Europe. It killed an estimated one million people. Then you have the HIV-AIDS, first discovered in 1981, the first case of acquired immune deficiency syndrome, or AIDS, was reported in 1981. Since then, HIV, the human immunodeficiency virus, has spread globally, infecting more than 65 million people, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The death toll of AIDS worldwide is estimated at more than 36 million people, and since its discovery until now, it has a 55% death rate. And then we move on to something that happened just recently, that is the COVID-19 pandemic of 2019. Coronavirus is believed to have originated in Wuhan, China. Uh, The virus spread throughout Europe, the rest of Asia, North America, and virtually every part of the world within months since it emerged in late 2019. It has infected over 593 million people worldwide and reportedly has killed over 6 million. Now let's look at earthquakes in various places. And earthquakes in diverse places, verse 7. Finally, Jesus says, look for earthquakes to increase 
And since measuring earthquakes is a science, it's easy to track the fulfillment of this sign. A search at the USGS website reveals trends in earthquakes in the United States and worldwide over the past century or more. The data shows a general rise in earthquake activity worldwide in recent decades. In particular, the number of high-intensity earthquakes in the United States have increased dramatically in the past three decades. States like Oklahoma and Arkansas have seen unexplainable rises in earthquake activity on an order of magnitude that's never been seen before. These are not normal variations, and they have scientists baffled. And in looking at the previous decades compared to the prior century, the rise is especially dramatic. The average number of high-intensity earthquakes per decade in the prior century was 110 and remained consistent from decade to decade. But in the first decade of the 21st century, the number increased over 150 for that decade. And in the second decade of this century, for which we are just two years in and counting, we have already recorded 165. Now let me repeat that. The average number of high-intensity earthquakes per decade in the prior century was 110 per decade. The first decade of the 21st century, that number increased to 150 for that decade. And we are just now two, a little over two years into the second decade of the 21st century, and we've already recorded 165 high-intensity earthquakes. That is a dramatic increase in earthquakes. I think that would qualify in earthquakes in diverse places. Uh, one more tidbit of information about the increasing trend of earthquakes comes from the Geological Society of America. They stated, the annual number of great earthquakes nearly tripled over the last decade, providing a reminder to Americans that unruptured faults like those in the northwest United States might be due for a big one. Between 2004 and 2014, 18 earthquakes with magnitudes of 8.0 or more rattled subduction zones around the globe. That's an increase of 265% over the average rate of the previous century, which saw 71 great earthquakes. As this present age nears its end, as we have just studied, the Lord will give the world signs. Jesus says those signs include world wars, famines, plagues, and earthquakes. These otherwise ordinary events are recognizable as signs because they will occur in a manner similar to birth pains. Over time, they will increase in severity and frequency, culminating in a birth of a new age at Jesus' return. This pattern of increasing signs, many believe, started in the early 20th century and have been accelerating ever since. So we need to consider ourselves on notice. We are fast approaching the end of the age. So now let's move on to the next question that Jesus answered. Questions 1 and 1a, the coming destruction of the temple. And for that, let's read Luke chapter 21, verses 12 to 24. And God's word says, But before all these they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, and it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts, not to meditate before what ye shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, 
which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And ye shall be betrayed, both by parents and brethren, and kinsfolks and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. For there shall not an hair of your head perish. And your patience possess ye your souls. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter thereinto. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And that was Luke chapter 21, verses 12 to 24. And now we move to Jesus' next answer. Explaining the destruction of the temple and the signs of that destruction in his answer to questions 1 and 1a. But as we do, we find another quirk to the Olivet Discourse. Matthew does not record the answer to this question at all. In Matthew's Gospel, the narrative jumps from explaining the end of the age to explaining his coming into his kingdom. But Luke does include the answer to questions 1 and 1a. We can see this difference clearly when we compare the two Gospels side by side. Before the two Gospels diverge, both Matthew and Luke are both tracking through Jesus' answer to question 3. Then there is a break, and Matthew and Luke go in different directions. Matthew 24, 8 continues with then, verse 9 in Matthew 24, while Luke backs up with, but before all these things, verse 12 in Luke 21. So Matthew is moving forward in time, while Luke is moving back in time to cover Jesus' answer to question number one and the temple destruction in the first century. Yet when we compare these two passages, we also notice that the language of Matthew 24.9 and Luke 21.12 are extremely similar. Both describe persecution of the saints, so it would be easy to assume both were describing similar moments in time. In reality, though, they are talking about two different periods of history, one in our past and one in our future. Both were yet future when spoken by Christ. The similarity between the two is simply a reflection of the fact that persecution is a common experience for all believers. Persecution happened shortly before the temple was destroyed in the first century, and it will be present at the end of this age. Nevertheless, by the context of each passage, as we just noticed with the, with the phrases and words Jesus used to indicate going forward in time in Matthew by the use of the word then, and talking about something in, more immediate, in the more immediate future in Luke by the use of the phrase, but before all these things, we can see they are actually talking about different times and different events. Before temple destruction, Jesus said the church would see persecution. Jesus says that before the destruction of the temple, the church would see persecution, especially of the church leaders. They would be dragged into synagogues and before governors of Rome, which we see recorded in the book of Acts. The persecution of the church in the first century was an early sign of the coming destruction of the temple. And then in Luke 21.20, we read that the city of Jerusalem would be surrounded by armies. Luke 21.20, And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. 
This will be the key sign for the believers of the first century to know that the end of the temple was drawing near. That sign occurred in A.D. 66 when the Roman general Cestus Gallus was set from Rome to put down a Jewish rebellion in Jerusalem. The Roman siege eventually resulted in the Roman army penetrating the city walls in A.D. 70 and destroying the temple under the Roman general Titus. Josephus was a Jewish priest and military commander that was captured by the Romans, who later chronicled the Roman-Jewish wars. And during the fall of Jerusalem, he witnessed the destruction, and he wrote about it. Josephus claimed that 1.1 million Jews were killed in the city, the temple was burned to the ground, and the city was utterly laid waste. Titus celebrated the great military victory by commissioning an arch, which is still visible in Rome today. It shows the Romans carrying away the implements of the temple. These are the signs Jesus gave his disciples to know that the temple was about to be destroyed in the first century. And they played out exactly as predicted. And those who heard Jesus' word and believed them were able to save themselves from that destruction when the time came. Jesus said, when you see armies surrounding the city, flee the city and do not return. Those who obeyed his word escaped the carnage, but those who did not understand or believe Jesus' words died in the attack. They were among the one million Jews who died that day. So we have world wars, increasing famine, and increasing earthquakes, just as Jesus told us would mark the end of the age. These world wars, these famines, these plagues, and these earthquakes are signs we are near the end of the age. They are the beginning of sorrows, and all these have been increasing in the past century, and some of these have been rapidly increasing this century. They follow the pattern of birth pains getting worse and more frequent as time goes on. For those who know their Bible, these events are completely understandable, and in fact were told to us in advance. But the unbelieving world has no recognition of these things, and in fact, they would like to believe it is all temporary. There is no going back. As these things kick off and disrupt our world, everyone longs to go back to the life we knew before. But the Christian who knows his or her Bible realizes this is the new normal, and there is no going back. Like a mother preparing to give birth, Once the birth pains start, there is no going back. There is no stopping until that child is delivered. So once the signs of the end of the age begin, and we believe they have begun, there is no turning back and no stopping until the age ends and the new age comes. We are right now on a one-way trip to Jesus' soon return. Now this study should encourage us. This study should excite us. For us who read these truths in Scripture and see the events in our world today, we should be encouraged. We should be excited. We are witnessing the pages of Scripture coming alive right before our eyes, and we know that the kingdom age is right around the corner. We're going to see Jesus soon. We're going to see him on the Mount of Olives. We're going to see him in Jerusalem being worshipped in Jerusalem. We're going to get to sing praises to him in person soon. This is exciting. Sooner or later, there would be a generation of believers who would live at the end of the age 
and that generation would know these turbulent times, and that generation would be privileged to experience things that earlier generations could only barely imagine. That generation will see the prophecies of the Bible coming alive, coming true before their eyes, and that experience builds faith if you understand what you see. Jesus says that the only way we enter the millennial kingdom is after this current world age ends, and and someone will be there to see this current world age end. And by all accounts, we are among the privileged to see these things and to live through them, and it is exciting. It is not so much fun when your world feels like it's falling apart. Look around, our world is rocking and reeling, and it's only just started. Our Lord is preparing to return, and time is short. So as the signs appear, take heart in the chaos, because we know that we do not have much longer to wait, and this, after all, is what we have been waiting for. The birth pains will be worth it when we see Jesus and get to experience the wondrous and glorious reign of King Jesus and the wonderful worldwide peace and happiness that brings with it. So far in our study of the Olivet Discourse, we have looked at the following questions. Bonus question A. What are not the signs of Jesus coming? Question number three. What will be the signs of the end of the age? Question number one. When will the temple destruction happen? And question 1A. What are the signs of the temple's coming destruction? And next week, we'll begin to look at question two. What will be the sign of your coming? Or what will be the sign of Jesus' coming? Particularly, we will look at section one and part one of that section of Matthew 24, the tribulation section, verses 9 to 31. This gives us an overview of events between the rapture and Jesus' physical return to the earth when he steps foot on the Mount of Olives. And that includes our our message, our podcast this week on the end times. Last week we did not get one out. It was a busy week, but this week we're getting one out again and hope to continue our weekly updates on this podcast series on the end times. Uh, we had a great weekend at our church. We had uh, we saw somebody we have not seen in a while. It was great to have that person in our services. We were rejoicing over that. Uh, the Lord is working. The Lord is using our church. We're looking forward to him using our church even more in the future. And again, if you're in the Palm Coast, Florida area, and you're not part of a good church, I'd like to personally invite you to come join us at New Beginning Baptist Church in Palm Coast. Uh, you can find information about location of us, of our church, and service times and all that at our at our website, newbeginningbaptist.church. And again, we had a great weekend in the house of the Lord. Always excited to see what the Lord will do on Sundays. And thank you again for joining our podcast on The End Times.